When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Mini Break, your date podcast for the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Monday, August 28th. Mega Mini Break Monday rolls into show number three. On this edition of the podcast, I want to offer my thoughts on the 2023 U.S. Open men's singles draw. Of course, we can acknowledge right at the top the storyline that triumphs them all heading into the action in New York. Will we see a third consecutive major bout between world's number one and to Novak Djokovic and Carlos Alcaraz. Certainly, if their Cincinnati final is any sort of preview of what we might get in New York, then yes, that's what we all want to see. The question is, will the draw allow for that outcome? And on today's show, I want to offer my thoughts in trying to answer that very question. Of course, I want to get into all the storylines. we got to play a little bit of catch up here on today's show. So not only will we talk most intriguing first rounds this on Upset Alert, the players that have them on Upset Alert offer my predictions. I also want to talk about who my top candidates to advance in this major are, how the draws opened up for them, what they've done to this point, uh, which has me thinking positively about their chances. We'll get into all of that here on today's show. Probably keep this podcast around 30 minutes like I did in our U.S. Open Women's Singles podcast, a show, by the way, a U.S. Open Singles Women's Singles Draw Preview, excuse me, a show you can find by scrolling down in your mini break podcast feed. Of course, we'll have recaps of every day's action here on this show, previews of each day over on the Great Shot podcast feed. A shout out, as always, to all of you listeners for tuning in. A shout out to Westoff, who makes it all happen. And a shout out, of course, to our dear friends at Tennis Point, Tennis Dash point.com the promo code is cr15 all right let's talk 2023 u.s open men's singles draw let's go top to bottom in the draw we start with the carlos alcaraz quarter in my opinion this is unequivocally the toughest draw of the uh, toughest section of the draw excuse me maybe not necessarily the most difficult to forecast but we got a lot of big hitters of course it starts with alcaraz he accomplished what he needed to in this North American hardcore stretch. Quarterfinals in Canada, but had no business beating Hercots in the round of 16. Plays, what, eight, uh, excuse me, seven three-set matches during his time in Canada. And Cincinnati gets wins over Hercots twice. Beats Tommy after losing to him the week prior. Obviously, was right on the precipice of beating Novak. He's a ridiculous 53-6 and six overall on the year. One of three guys, him, Djokovic, Sinner, to rank top 15 in both hold and break percentage. He's 11th in break, uh, hold percentage, excuse me, just slid out of the top 10. Otherwise, it'd be him, Sinner, Djokovic, all top 10, which makes more sense that they're grouped together. And then there's a little bit of a gap, although there's probably a gap between the top two and Sinner as well. We'll get to that conversation. He's answered every question. You look at what he's done at the majors this year, semis, Roland Garros loses to Novak, wins Wimbledon, 
beats Novak, wins the U.S. Open last year, fought off match points against Sinner in doing so. It's 1A, 1B. I did a full show with my top 10 contenders with our dear friend Gil Gross over on his Monday Match Analysis YouTube channel, which or his Gil Gross YouTube channel is Monday Match Analysis show, so you can go all go hear that. The only thing for Carlos Alcaraz that injects any sort of doubt in his U.S. Open prospects is just how difficult a draw he was dealt. I mean, you can even start with Dominic Kofor, and no, I don't think Dominic Kofor, the former college number one ranked player in the country, Tulane All-American, I don't think he's going to beat Alcaraz, but... He's 43 and 16 overall in his last 52 weeks, 34 and 13 this year. He went quarterfinals Atlanta, loses to JJ Wolf. Semifinals Los Cabos, three set loss to eventual champion Demon Hour. Three set loss to the Winston Salem finalist Lachetchka last week. He's played exceptional hardcore tennis in this North American hardcore stretch. And I think Alcaraz beats him, probably in straight sets, but Kofor is playing confidently enough to make that match a challenge. And look, Alcaraz has gotten off to slow starts. Again, seven of his eight matches in the North American hardcore stretch win three sets. Kofor has the ability to win a set. And then from there, look, the winner, of I think he's going to probably face Lloyd Harris, the big serving South African. That's just a big server who on a hot day is going to make life difficult for you. And you're not going to have a million chances to break serve. Now, I think Alcaraz gets through. He's number one in break percentage on the ATP tour this season. But again, not a fun matchup. After that, third round, maybe a bit of a reprieve, although Jordan Thompson's been playing well. He's probably the favorite, even though Evans is the seed in that mini section. After that, look, Talon Greekspor's played good ball this year, and Greekspor's got a really tricky first-round matchup against the 18-year-old Frenchman Arthur Fee, who has real weapons. But, you know, Greekspor won a title in India earlier this season, won a title in the Netherlands earlier this season, makes the final in D.C. Now, First-round losses to Zverev, Tiafo, although both close matches in Canada-Cincinnati first-round losses, respectively. That matchup is fun because Greek Spore has weapons, and it does feel like the better the opponent, the better the Greek Spore. Of course, that's before you even get to the real challenges. But again, I that I can make the case for Cope for being not a walkover of a first-round match. Lloyd Harris, just again, big server. Thompson gets hot. They played three sets earlier in this hardcore stretch. Greek Spore has been hot at times this season, that there's just like arguments to make his life a little difficult. And then you get to the quarters, where he's probably going to play center, but if it's not center, the next most likely is Zverev, who has certainly finds himself coming back into form. You know, again... After that, if things hold seed, you play Daniil Medvedev, never a cakewalk, three out of five sets on a hard court. And then after that, you get Djokovic. You could argue, and I did on Gil's pod, that my top four contenders, and I'll say it here now, it's Djokovic one, Alcaraz two, Sinner three, Medvedev four, big gap, rest of the field. I think it has to be one of those four guys who's going to win this event. All due respect, you know, I had Zverev fifth. I had Tommy Paul sixth. Uh, did I have Tommy Paul sixth? That sounds about right. Maybe Tsitsipas. No, Tommy Paul, I think, was my sixth. I think I had Davidovich Fokina seventh as my wild card. Tsitsipas eighth. I want to say Runa nine, Rude ten. You know, again. Oh, no, no, no. I had Tiafo in there. Tiafo nine, I think, Rude ten. Um, look, three of the top five are in his quarter in Sinner and Zverev 
he wins that, he'd have to play the fourth guy on that list in Medvedev. And then if he wins that, he'd have to play probably the number one guy in Novak Djokovic. The pathway could not be harder for Carlos Alcaraz. And I'm not making excuses for him. I don't need to make excuses. I already told you what the record is for Carlos Alcaraz this season. He has won 90% of his matches this year. A ridiculous 53-6. and six. You look at his record against opponents ranked outside the top 20, he's 34-1. and one. He's 19-5 and five against the top 20, 8-2 and two against the top 10. I believe he's made the quarterfinals in every event he has played this season, except for Rome, of course, where he lost to Mar- on, but he had won Madrid the week prior, and then he goes on to semis, Roland Garros. So again, made the quarterfinals or further in all but one event. I think he's actually made the semifinals or further in all but two events. He's 21 years old, uh, 20 years old. It's a generational season for a guy who is not in his prime yet, at least by all normal forecasts. He is the favorite. He's 1B to Djokovic's 1A. He is the favorite to advance out of the section, but he was dealt as hard of a draw as I think the cards could have been dealt because he will have to likely beat at least... No, at least three of the top five because he'd have to play probably one. Well, he would only have to play one of Zverev or Sinner, then probably Medvedev, then probably Djokovic. There's a world where he has to face three of the top five contenders just to get to the U.S. Open title. And again, like there is a big delta between four and five, and there's a world where he has to face Medvedev, Sinner, Djokovic all on his way to winning a title. And that's just a very difficult path for anyone. But we've seen Carlos Alcaraz, I've said it before, he's superhuman. He is a superhero in what he's able to accomplish. He'll have to summon that again. Looking more broadly to, again, the more intriguing first-round matchups and other things to watch in this section Dan Evans is on upset alert. I know he wins the title in D.C., but outside of that, he goes, what, first round loss to Diallo in Canada. Schedule a loss, fine, but 4-3 and three loss first round since he beats Tiafo, beats Dimitrov, beats Griegspor, but the weather, the double headers, everything was weird in D.C. Again, Jordan Thompson has had a really good back half of the year, obviously. Quarterfinals Newport, quarterfinals D.C., qualifies in Cincy, wins a match against Isner before getting knocked out in three by Alcaraz finals in the Netherlands. He's just played good ball of late. Who have his last losses been to? Alcaraz, Fritz, Nishikori, Manorino on grass courts, which counts as top 15, Djokovic at Wimbledon. No shame in the game. He's playing good ball of late. Uh, I'd expect him to get through as an upset into the third round. Greek Spore Fee is my favorite first round in this section. That's just a lot of power shot making on both sides good speed both sides Arthur Fee if he gets through that that's a name we could be hearing a lot about this week the 18 year old him Luca Van Asha the French renaissance I'm sure make the graphic now you can steal that ESPN Fee gets through Greek Spore I mean Kokonakis is in that little 32nd you know, Nori's in that section, but he hasn't been particularly inspiring of late. And him versus Shevchenko is a very fun upset alert sort of match. You can see a world where Fee, Griegsborg, Kokonakis could all come out of this section above Nori. They're probably, I mean, I would say Griegsborg is probably the favorite in this little section to advance. That's who I would pick, but that's a fun section. Zverev Vukic is a really fun first-round matchup. Alex Vukic, the former Illinois All-American, has worked himself into the top 50 for the first time in his career. Finals in Atlanta, round of 16 Canada, gets wins over Eubanks, Umber, Chorich, Korda in his run. 
loses three sets last week to Baez, but Baez goes on to win the title. Has the big serve, big forehand to at least try to keep pace with Zverev again. Backhand to backhand, Zverev wins that exchange. Zverev should advance, but Vukic is going to go down swinging, and we've seen the yips leak into Alex Zverev before. That one could get testy. You know, Murray's in this section. He could a potential second round with Dimitrov would be fun. Grigor, one of eleven guys to rank top twenty-five in both hold and break percentage this year. Echeverry, Sinner, the other seed. Sinner versus Hoffman. Hoffman has weapons, but I think Yannick is going to get to the fourth round pretty comfortably. That's when things get fun. Whether it's, I think it will be Zverev, but even if it's, you know. I mean, if it's Murray at that point, he'd have to go through probably Dimitrov and Zverev. How much would be left in the tank? I think we're getting Murray out. Uh, excuse me. I think we're getting Alcaraz Sinner. I think we're going to be treated to the quarterfinal rematch we all deserve. Obviously, Sinner has beaten Alcaraz enough that it is a real rivalry. It is a real head-to-head that will likely define a lot of what we see. Not everything we see, but a lot of what we see over the next decade. Every time we get it is a treat. I sincerely hope we do get it. Again, I think Alcaraz's path to the quarterfinals is tricky. I think he'll get through the first encounter with Sinner, but that's going to be a 4-5 bruising sort of match. Then you have a Medvedev all before Djokovic. I think Alcaraz gets through to the semifinals over Sinner, but I reserve the right to rescind and change that pick and pick Sinner because, again, he won in Canada. I know he lost early in Cincy, but who cares? The mission was accomplished. He won a 1,000-level title. He's coming in confident. He doesn't take early round losses anymore. Yeah, second-week losses, but not early round losses at the major. Sinner usually does the job, and, you know, again, I think things don't get tricky for him until the quarterfinals. So Alcaraz, uh, round of 16. So Alcaraz-Sinner is my quarterfinal matchup. Give me Alcaraz to advance out of that section. Let's move on now to the rest of the quarters. And again, Alcaraz's quarter is the most fascinating to me, so I'm going to spend less time on the rest. You look for Daniil Medvedev. I think he's fine until the fourth round. Like, you know, again, Balaz. I know Max Purcell has played well. He'll be aggressive. He'll pinch forward. He'll try to capitalize on that Medvedev return positioning. But Medvedev makes a habit of two passing shot combinations. And I do think Purcell will float enough volleys that Medvedev advances. I also just think on the serve he has, if he can find his rhythm on serve, three out of five set, I think that ultimately allows him to win out. But... Yeah, I guess that gets a little tricky. Baez, Chorich, Winston-Salem rematch. I think it went three sets last week. It's a fun matchup for both. I don't think Chorich is playing well enough if that's the matchup versus Medvedev. I think Medvedev gets through to week two. It's fun names. Nicolas Yari versus Luka Vanasha is a fun contrast of styles. Alex Mickelson, Ebing Wu, Alex Diemenauer all thrown in this same little 32nd of the draw. Look, he already has the biggest weapons in the section. And watching Mickelson play, if he gets through, I don't know if he has the physicality to get through Ramos, but he definitely has the backhand, the serve to keep pace. After that, the weapons of Yari, I would say, I would take to overwhelm him. Look, Demon has played exceptional ball, obviously makes the final in Toronto, makes the final in, uh, or did he win? I think he won Los Cabos. Yeah, wins Los Cabos. No, loses in the finals of Tsitsipas, finals in Canada. Yes, he loses to Monfi in Cincinnati, but that's a schedule loss. Trust him to be fit, to come out of the gates focused. (sighs) The Demon-Medvedev matchup is tricky. Do I think Demon gets through Yari? I mean, what if it's Wu Bing in the second round and Wu just has a little bit of time to swing freely? Can he match Demon's physicality, though? 
I'm taking Demon Medvedev in that round of 16. I'll take Medvedev through to the quarterfinals. Most intriguing matchups, Yari Van Asha, because again, another French teenager in Van Asha, sustained a top 80 spot, can hit through his backhand comfortably. I just think the Yari servant to the Van Asha forehand, that's a nightmare of a matchup. Same if it's Yari Mickelson in round two. If Wui Bing was fully healthy, that match with Demon would be very tricky. I think it's going to be Medvedev-Demon. I'll take Medvedev to advance through. Bottom half of this draw, I mean, Hubi Hercots comes in in the best form. Should have beaten Alcaraz in Canada. Semifinals with wins over Tsitsipas, Chorich, Kokonakis, Paparin, before getting knocked out in three sets again by Alcaraz in Cincy. We haven't seen Hatchinov play. He hasn't been healthy. Rublev, first-round loss, first-round loss, I believe, in Canada, Cincinnati, respectively. I mean, are you going to go with Berrettini-Umber, which is a fantastic first-round matchup, but Umber's obviously coming back. He was never an inner circles, quarterfinal sure thing guy. Berrettini is when, when healthy, but we haven't seen him healthy and confident in quite some time. I mean, Schwartzman-Rinder-Kanesh is a fun contrast of styles. Rusevori Rublev the rematch after Rusevori got him in Canada. It's a fun section. There's a lot of intrigue. Moe versus Hatchnov. You know what I wouldn't want to face in my first match back after a long layoff? Michael Moe, the relentless physicality, the big first serve. His willingness to just make you uncomfortable. Isner retirement tour. Jack Draper, the young British lefty who I probably would have put over Musetti at the start of the year. Is he healthy? If he is can get through. Hercots doesn't have a great matchup in the big serving lefty. Actually, I like lefties against Hercots. But that would be a fun matchup. Back-to-back Hoosler-Draper for Hercots. You could see one of those going to a fifth set breaker. Bottom half of this section is intriguing because no one comes in with definitive form. You know, again, Hubi comes in with the best form, but when Hatchinov's been healthy, he's made quarterfinals of the last, what, three majors he's played. Rublev has been the most consistent of the guys throughout the course of this season, but comes in in poor form. What if Berrettini starts serving hot and is fit all of a sudden, and by percentages, he just wins out over the best of five format, as he often has? It's the it's the lack of certainty. It, it's so funny. I, I'm completely opposite in my assessments of the men's and women's single straw. I think we're going to see a role reversal. Now, I think at the top, we know... Alcaraz Djokovic is the matchup to watch for. But outside of those top four, I have no degree of certainty in really anyone. And Medvedev's in my top four, so by virtue of process of elimination, he's going to get through. Now, who am I taking out of the bottom half? <sighs> I'm audibling. I had no, that's too recency bias. I'm going Rublev. Three out of five sets, although I could see him losing just as likely to Rusevori as I do seeing him get to the quarterfinals against Medvedev. I need to see Hercots make the quarterfinals again to believe it. I'd take Hatchinov if he was healthy. He's just not. Neither is Berrettini. Again, I have Medvedev getting through Demon Hour. It's going to be a little tricky. Medvedev by virtue of process, I should say, of elimination. What, he lost to Zverev, and he lost to a very much informed Demon Hour. In Canada and Cincinnati, respectively, both of them tight matches. I'll take the 2020, 20, 20, no, the 2019 U.S. Open champ. No, see the 2019 U.S. Open champion. No, that's when he lost to Rafa. 2020 is team. The 2021 U.S. Open champion, Daniil Medvedev. Excuse me. Sorry. Again, my brain was broken. 2021 Olympics, Djokovic, three, blah. Anyways, 
give me Medvedev to get to the semifinals. I'll have him beating Rublev in that quarter, but I don't feel certain about this draw. I feel even less certain about the Hulkaruna draw and quarter of the draw. And look, I'm recording this later on Monday. We already saw Hulkaruna knocked out of the event by Roberto Carbeas Baena, his first top 10 victory of his career. Runa's lost five in a row. He hasn't been healthy. It's reflected in his poor, uh, poor form. And uh, excuse me, five in a row. He's lost three in a row, and now four in a row. And that's you know again, he had to pull out with injury. It's an unexpected loss on paper. It's not unexpected given the context. And you know you throw that into the mix with a Casper Ruud who is battling right now with Emilio Nava. He lost second round Canada to Davidovich Fokina, first round per- to Purcell in Cincinnati, though both of them three set matches. He gets the benefit of the doubt because he in a three out of five set format, hard courts, clay courts, there's a physicality he brings that's just undeniable. And look, I'm recording this after Jung Ji Zhen very tightly closed out a five-set victory over J.J. Wolf. I thought that would have been a really good opportunity for Wolf to pull off the upset. I think it's a very good opportunity for Zhang Zhizhen, the 26-year-old from China who just has real weapons. And Kasper Ruud was so tentative thus far against Emilio Nava. I mean, Nava's been teeing away freely. Zhang Zhizhen going to be even more comfortable doing so, even more consistent doing so. You never felt confident about either of the top two seeds in this section of the draw because neither of them have shown the form going in. And that's why you look at this section. There's a real opportunity. We have an All-American quarterfinal that it's Francis Tiafo who takes on Lerner Tian, a really fun first round match for us Crack Rackets fans. And for what it's worth, Tiafo, a straight set winner was playing whatever, checkers, chess, the more complicated version to Tien. Tien had some moments, had some serious weapons behind his first serve, that loopy forehand when he had time. But it just felt like Francis was never uncomfortable. And look, three out of five sets, there's a degree of physicality Francis brings that's just elite. He thrived in front of this New York crowd who he now has equity with after his run last season. You look at right now the win percentage on hard courts. They're the wins, top win percentages on hard courts. You know, right now, Taylor Fritz is fifth. Tommy Paul is eighth. Francis Tiafo is 12th amongst top 50 players on hard courts this season. Fritz is 31 and 9. Tommy's 23 and 9. Francis is 18 and 8. Look, Tommy's section of the draw, Hogaruna has already been eliminated. And now it's, you know, Bublik's been eliminated by Dominic Team, a straight set winner in round one. We'll talk about that more in our day one recap on the mini break here. But now the draw is wide open for Tommy. No Holger, no Bublik. It would be a battle of athletes. Really fun to see Tommy versus Davidovich Fokina because there's a lot of parallels there. We've had that argument before. I believe I did it with Gil on Monday Match Analysis, and I think I did it with David Kane on this show as well. Yes, Casper, I need to see him lose before I believe it's going to happen. But, you know, again, him versus Francis in the round of 16 would be exceptional. If Korda can get through Fucevic and be healthy, boy, would it be fun to see him in the mix as well. If it's him versus Tiafo and the winner versus Tommy in the quarters, I mean, come on now. As an American tennis fan back in the day, that's something I know I would have been looking forward to. Now I'm nonpartisan. This is the section where the Americans can really do some damage because again Rude does not come in in great form and you got three bites at the apple in Corda in Tiafo in Tommy whose draw is now just wide open uh it's really just him and Davidovich Fokina a race to that quarter final Yuri Lachetchka very dangerous in that bottom section of the draw his serve his forehand 
It would be fun to see him and team do battle. But, of course, don't count out Ben Shelton, who gets a four-set win today. Didn't face a break point. Sets two, three, or four. He faces team. What an exceptional round two match that is. Why can't... What if it's Ben, Tommy, Corda, Tiafa round four? I mean, it's in the cards because Runa Bublik out. Are you really going to trust team that thoroughly over Shelton? I don't think you can, given the matchup. Lefty into that team one-handed backhand on a quick surface, especially with how Shelton cannons the serve. Of course, Lachetchka could very well ruin that, as could Karatsev. That's the most intriguing first-round match in the section. But there is really a world where it could be Tommy versus Shelton, Tiafo versus Korda. And boy, wouldn't that world be exciting. I'm going to go Tiafo over Tommy in the quarterfinals. Stick with that theme. Wish it so and hope it happens because I think New York would just be electric. It's a wide-open section. Uh, again, I, I think it's anyone's ball game. <sighs> Yeah, I'm going Tiafo over Tommy. I know Tommy has the better win percentage. I know Tommy made the semifinals in Australia earlier this year, but Francis did it here last year. Again, I think that's a pick'em sort of match. I think that one would be so exciting. I'm going Tommy to make the quarters. Things open up for him, I know, a little bit easier now, but I'll go Tiafo over Tommy. I don't feel confident I reserve the right to reverse that as well. Last but certainly not least, let's go to the Djokovic quarter of the draw. I mean, Tsitsipas did win Los Cabos. He has made it, you know, he has beaten Rafa and Roger on a hard court at a major. That said, you look for Novak. I think he gets through Alexander Moeller pretty comfortably. He would face the winner of Zapata, Marias, and Quinn in round two. I think he'd get through that pretty comfortably. Now, Laszlo Jura has played very well, and I believe he is going to beat Brandon Nakashima. Is up like two sets to love as of me recording this. Made the finals in Hamburg. I think quarters or semi. I think he quartered last week in Winston-Salem. But there's just a degree of physicality he brings. Backhand to backhand, there will be some very fun exchanges. Novak's going to beat him. You know, after that, Felix plays Mackey round one. Upset alert for Felix. Mackey's had the better hardcourt summer. You look forward to comparing their two results. Mackey loses to Dimitrov round two, Washington. Quarters in Canada, round of 16, Cincy. Felix, first round loss, Washington. First round loss, Canada. Second round loss, Cincy. His losses to Watanuki, Purcell, and Manorino. By the way, that loss to Purcell was in Canada, not Cincinnati. Mackey's losses, Manorino, Dimitrov, Davidovich, Fokina. It's an upset alert. That's why, again, if you're Djokovic, you don't know if you're going to see Felix in the fourth round. If you do, that implies he's found some form, and now that matchup gets a little tough. I know Francisco Sarundolo has had a good year, but you look at what he's accomplished on this North American hardcore stretch. Sarundolo, 6-3 in the third loss to Tommy in Canada is not bad. The 3-4 and four loss to Lajevic and Cincy is a little tougher. He doesn't come in in the best form. So again, none of those guys in his immediate 16th of the draw, you feel, pose that big of a threat to Novak, which will allow him to work himself into form, pace himself as he so appropriately has at the majors these past three years. You know, that top half of the section is far more intriguing. Tsitsipas, Eubanks, Musetti, Fritz, all the seeds. Tsitsipas won those Cabos. Outside of that, obviously, a little tough in the other two. But the other three come in in clear form. I mean, Chris Eubanks has been one of the stars of the summer. Lorenzo Musetti has picked up his form. Semis, Bostad, quarters, Hamburg, round of 16, lost to Medvedev in Canada. Round of 32, lost to Medvedev in Cincy. No shame in either of those. And then Taylor Fritz, who went, what, title in Atlanta, 
I want to say semifinals, I believe, title in Atlanta, uh, semifinals in Washington, three-set loss to Demon Hour match. He should have won the first set, and he was up, I think, 5-1, I believe, in that first set in Canada, but lost the eventual finalist, Demon Hour, there uh, in the round of 16. Quarterfinal loss to Djokovic and Cincy. He has had an exceptional summer. He has done everything that has been asked of him. And so, again, he is he has had the best hardcore summer of anyone in this section. Now, for Tsitsipas, he's going to face Rayanich round one. Big server can give Tsitsipas some trouble. After that, whether it's the lefty Stricker or more likely since he quarterfinalist Alexi Popperin, now in the top 50, big serve, big forehand, not the easiest matchup for Tsitsipas. After that, if it's a Eubanks or even a Quinton Halise, again, big serves, big forehands. After that, you play probably the best version of that in a Taylor Fritz big serve, big forehand. It's just not a good section by matchups for Stefano Tsitsipas, which is why I think, again, if you're Novak Djokovic, you get Taylor Fritz in the quarterfinals. First of all, the prospects of three Americans in the quarterfinals. Wouldn't that be something? If it is Tsitsipas, he comes through pretty weary, just again, given the matchups he had to face, although maybe physically he'd be a little fresher. If it's Fritz... Man, would that matchup just be exciting. And, you know, again, I do think it will be Fritz, although he has a tough matchup in Stevie round number one. Stevie's fit. He's obviously known Taylor his entire life. Mentally, that hurdle. Stevie is still that elder statesman uh, in Taylor's mind, both California guys. You know, again, Musetti's athletic, but the pace, the heaviness of Fritz's ball into that Musetti forehand more than anything else, I think poses Musetti some problems. If Eubanks gets hot, we've seen what he's made a quarterfinal at a major. It's a it's a very intriguing section because there are this is a section where a lot of names have been playing well and they all happen to be grouped together. If you're Fritz, you're like, how did I not get one of the Runa or Rude spots? That's where I belong. You should have split those two up. Probably fair. I mean, I'm going to go Djokovic-Fritz. I think those are the two guys playing the best in this section in what is, again, a very intriguing section of the draw. I think Djokovic gets through Fritz. Maybe a tight four, but a comfortably tight, you know, a tight but comfortable four sets. And again, it's it's pretty chalk in my semifinals and finals predictions, which is where I want to end today's show. I have Alcaraz versus Medvedev, Djokovic versus Tiafo. I think Djokovic gets through Francis, and again, if his quarterfinal semifinals are Taylor Francis, that's a pretty ideal scenario for Novak versus a, uh, Alcaraz, who in this projection faces a sinner, then faces a Medvedev, then has to conquer the hill that is Novak. I think Novak gets through. I think he wins this event. I think that final is probably a very tightly contested, very fun four sets. I'm sure Alcaraz will find another gear as he always does. I think they're the two best players in the world. And until I see Sinner or Medvedev knock one of them off, I I need to see it for it for me to believe it. They've earned that benefit of the doubt. Did you see the Cincinnati final? We had to record an emergency podcast. And, you know, again, their role on Garo semifinal, that was the final. They obviously went head-to-head in the Wimbledon final. That was the clear-cut final. When they are both in the draw, they are the two best players on the court. They are the two most consistent players on the court. They are the two leaders by win percentage this season on any surface. Alcaraz, 89.8% win percentage. Djokovic, 884 Medvedev, Sinner, your next two at 81.7 for Medvedev, 77.4 for Sinner. Then there's a big delta before you get to Tsitsipas at 71.7. 
but the gap between Djokovic and Medvedev is bigger than the gap between Sinner and Tsitsipas. Again, there's just a clear delta. It's 1A, 1B. Djokovic won in Cincinnati, so he's 1A. Alcaraz lost, so he's 1B, and Alcaraz has the tougher draw, and we have the benefit of seeing the draw before offering these predictions. So I'm going Djokovic over Alcaraz. I know that's chalk. I know I picked Iga over Sapolinka on the women's side. I know that's chalk, but guess what? We're nine months into the season. We should have some clarity. I think these players have shown enough form in the buildup to this event. They're well-rested enough. They've paced themselves enough that this is where we should be. And I think we're going to get the matchups we deserve at this U.S. Open. That's my general feeling towards this event. Of course, I look forward to be proven wrong over the course of the next two weeks. And again, we got one more mini break podcast to go. I'll be recapping day one here on this show, previewing day two over on the GSPA. Shout out as always to our super producer, Daniel Westa for the of an editing job he does day in, day out, making all of our content possible. Shout out to him. Shout out as well to our dear friends at Tennis Point, tennis-point.com. The promo code is CR15. With all of that said, for our fantastic super producer, Daniel Westoff, our friends at Tennis Point, from all of us here at both Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. You know what we say. That's the break, and we'll talk to you all later today. Thanks, everyone.